Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I'm your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Today, my guest is Lois Wagner. She is from South Africa. She is a, a coach and an author, a writer, and a general mentor, inspiring human being, living out in the earth and making a difference in the world. Welcome to the show, Lois. How are you? Thanks, John. It's great to be here. <laughs> Can you tell everyone a little bit more about your story and where you come from, how you got where you are? Well, that's a long story. How, how long is this podcast? Uh, it's usually about an hour. <laughs> okay, well, we can start once upon a time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I use the acronym SMILE to describe what I do. So I'm a speaker. Uh, I've got a TEDx talk. I'm a mentor. I inspire a learning facilitator and an empowering coach. So that's what I do. And I've been doing that uh, for maybe 10 or 15 years. Started my career in marketing and through various reasons, got into human resources. And so I've been an entrepreneur a number of times. I've had a business and lost a business and started another business and gave it up. <laughs> so it's quite a story. I think I've reinvented myself about 25 times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know what aspect of my story you want me to tell. Wherever you think is the, the best place to start, go for it. Well, my big story is uh, what uh, is what led me to do what I do today. And today I work with people who've suffered some kind of trauma. And it's not necessarily um, sexual trauma, although it's mostly sexual trauma, but it could be people who've lost a job, had an accident, got divorced, grieving a, a loved one. Anybody who's gone through some major adverse or, uh, um, adversity or challenge, and I help them move from being a victim of that situation to becoming a survivor, to a thriver, and then beyond to freedom. So I've been doing that in the personal field for about two years now. And that story started 26 or so years ago. <laughs> it's taken me all this time to get here. So what happened, I was uh, in partnership in a digital printing company back in the day before digital was a thing. Um, and uh, I was working late one night in the courtyard of our little printing shop and uh, somebody scaled our eight-foot wall and brutally attacked and raped me, tied me up and left me for dead. So that was back in 1996, so it's a long time ago. And... Obviously, I was so angry because, especially because in those days, way before the Me Too movement, and the word rape was never discussed in polite circles. Nobody ever used the word. So that this should happen to me was just horrific. Well, to anybody, it's horrific, but it shouldn't happen. You know, it was, it's not something we spoke about. And so I became an activist and I wanted to change the world and change the law and I lobbied and petitioned and led marches and uh, eventually 
Uh, I lost the business. My, my business partner betrayed me and the business went into liquidation and I went deep into debt. So I went back into the corporate world and I lost my drive for this activism thing. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then 14 years later, I'd moved, I'd left South Africa and I was living in the Middle East. And I was coming home for my first holiday and I contacted the prison authorities. The, the rapist had been apprehended and had been given a 25-year prison sentence. So I, in the 14 years, I'd never contacted them. I'd never tried to find out what had happened to him. But for some reason, I decided to find out what, was, what, what the story was. And they told me that he was coming up for parole the day after I arrived back in South Africa. And the law had just changed, allowing what they call victims of serious crime to attend a parole hearing. So I thought, well, the universe has spoken. I need to attend this parole hearing. So much against the advice of family and friends, I went. And on the suggestion of a friend, um, he said I should forgive this, this rapist. And I said, don't be stupid. How can you forgive something so dreadful? But I did some research. Mr. Google helped me. And I prepared a long, laborious speech just in case. Anyway, I went to the prison. Um, uh, I was led into a room. They brought in the prisoner and they asked me if I had anything to say. And I said, yes. Uh, and I pulled out the speech and I started reading it. And as I was reading it, I thought, no, 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 this is, oh, this is not making sense to me. How can it make sense to him? He was not, English was not his first language and he only had a grade six education. So it was too academic and didn't make much sense. But I, I put it down and I looked at him and I just said, I take the responsibility of what happened and I'm, I'm taking it from my higher self and I'm releasing the responsibility back to your higher self and I compassionately and completely forgive you and I take back my power. And as I said that, I knew I meant it. Um, it was just the most liberating thing I've ever done in my life. And... Uh, the prison authority said they would let me know in seven days if he got parole or not. And I said, no, I don't need to know. Because what had happened, you know, when, when you are in an unforgiven state, you are bonded to that situation or to that person. And you're the one who's suffering, not the other person. Although he was in prison, so I suppose he was suffering. But in other situations, you know, a divorce or some other thing, the other person has moved on and you're still holding on to that stress and anxiety and hurt and pain. You are suffering. And all forgiveness does, it's actually breaking that bond and setting you free. And so I didn't walk out of that prison. I flew out of that prison. <laughs> That's such a wild story. <laughs> I don't know about it being wild. I mean, just that, it, that things the events kind of happened to kind of fall right into place where it said you, the universe said you should go to the, to go to this prison and be there. And then 
that it, you ended up changing what you were going to, what you had planned to do. And you're like, this isn't right. I need to do this. Um, and, and, uh, that it, that it did work out and, and led you to, uh, a totally different life of helping other people, which I think is really beautiful. You know, but it still took me a while to get there because I went, you know, I was living a really good life at the time um, and I was traveling everywhere. And so I went back to work and carried on with my life. Um, and then, so that was in 2009, I forgave him. And then in 2014, I went to a conference um, in Thailand and it's one of the speakers at the conference said, has anybody out there got a big audacious dream? <laughs> and I don't know what prompted me to jump up and say, yes, I have. I want to eradicate sexual violence. <laughs> and everybody gave me a standing ovation and I thought, oh, okay. That's what I started doing back in 96 and I stopped. Um, and so the thought was... Uh, rekindled in me to do it but then it still took me another four years before I started it happens um so I'm really curious with your work to eradicate sexual violence um you sent me in your um in your bio that you teach boys and men to be brave and fight against toxic masculinity. And I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit more about that because I am the mom of two young boys and I am constantly trying to teach them about consent and about not pigeonholing themselves and other people into specified gender roles and things like that. I mean, they're little, they're like six and three, but I figure you got to start early, right? Absolutely. It's never, excuse me, it's never too early to start. You can start just teaching them about sharing and asking and consent is so important. So I've got a concept called be brave. <clears throat> and uh, basically it's taking the, the letters of brave. So the B stands for boundaries. So it's letting people understand what their boundaries are. You know, we don't know our boundaries until we're faced with them. So we need to go in self-awareness. What do you like? What don't you like? And even with your little boys, it's about saying, what is what makes you feel good? What makes you feel not so good? Understand what your boundaries are. And then learn to understand the boundaries of those people who are, are close to you and, and, and in, in the greater community as well. So it's understanding your boundaries. I also talk about balance. It's balancing the yin and the yang, getting the, the soft part of the boys. You know, boys can cry and, and girls can climb trees. So it's about balance and it's about bystander as well. It's about the bystander effect, which is, you know, if you see something happening, don't do nothing. <laughs> you need to do something. You can't always intervene because it's dangerous, uh, but you can call somebody. You can do something. So if you see, if your if your little boy sees two kids fighting, you can go and call the teacher. You can go and call somebody and say, "Look, this is this is happening. This kid's been bullied." Um, to help stop harassment. So that is what the B is for. You know, um, many years ago now, one day in the morning in Cape Town. Uh, on the streets, somebody had painted in red paint and had put red roses down and had written, I saw what happened last night. I'm sorry I did nothing. 
And you think about we we will never know what that person saw or what happened there, but that person was walking around with all that guilt for not having done something. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important that we we don't just be a bystander, that we take action. So that's the B. Then we've got the R, which is respect. So it's respecting those people around you and respecting their boundaries. Um, and uh, respect is such a difficult thing because everybody's definition of respect is slightly different. But if you understand their values and their boundaries, then you can respect their values and their boundaries. So, you know, I, I always say, I feel sorry for so many men because of the feminist movement. You know, a a man opens the door for a woman and she says, I can open my own door. So the next time he doesn't open the door and the woman says, aren't you a gentleman? Why can't you open my door? (laughs) So it's very confusing for for the men. So the R is respect. It's also about taking responsibility for your actions. Um, and then the A is agreement. You know, always get agreement for, for anything. It's also about authenticity. Be your authentic self. And then be alert to what is happening around you. The V is for values. Um, we, we have those values that are indoctrinated into us as children, um, but you develop your own values as you grow up. But do we always understand what those values are? So figure out your values. And if you get into a relationship, make sure you get into a relationship with somebody who has similar values to you. It's so important to understand and then respect those values. And value V is also about vulnerability. It's about showing up, being being open and honest and, and, you know, sharing, sharing your feelings, your emotions. And it's about voice. It's about communication because communication holds everything together. And if we share our thinking, uh, our emotions, our feelings, we can solve a lot of the world's problems. And then the E is um, equality, which is obvious. It's about uh, empowerment. Be empowered to be alert and to not be a bystander, to take that action, be empowered to make a difference. And it's about empathy and emotional intelligence as well. So that is the brave formula. And I want everybody to be brave. So we need to teach those values to our kids. I think that's so great. Do you have, you should write a book. Do you have a book about that? Not about that. Not yet. (laughs) Um, What books do you have? I have this book, which is called Walking Without Skin, which is my story of recovery. So it's the story from starts the night I was raped and it carries on till last year. (laughs) Just published last year. It took 26 years to get published. Well, good for you for being being able to be vulnerable and and put that experience out there to help other people because I know it can't have been easy. <laughs> you know, twenty six years of trying to figure out how to keep going forward every day because there's a lot of people who go through something terrible and they never get over it. Or, I mean, who knows if there necessarily is a get over it for things that happen like that, but. Um, I've been thinking a lot about grieving. I have had a lot of traumatic things that I've grieved in my, in my life. And 
I've been thinking about grief in a way that um, one of my teachers when I was in college, um, shortly after my mom passed away when I was 20 years old, before I went home to like deal with her memorial service and all this stuff, I was going to school about a thousand miles away from home. And I was talking with one of my professors about the grieving process. And I said, does this feeling ever go away? You know, where I'm at right now, like, does that giant hole right here, like, does it ever go away? And he says, it doesn't ever go away. You just get used to the way that it sucks. And, <laughs> and it really was just like, okay, it really, it helped me to prepare for the rest of my life. Like, okay, it's not going away, but you are going to like grow around it. And then a friend of mine, um, on one of the other episodes of this show, she was talking about grieving in a way that like your soul is kind of like a box. And when you, when something traumatic first happens, grief is like this bouncy ball inside the box. And when it first happens, the ball is really big and it fills up a lot of the box. And whenever it's bouncing around and it hits the side of the box, you're like, Oh, that's awful. And it like sneaks up on you and kind of like punches you in the guts metaphorically. Right. Um, and so you have this like, Oh, it's so terrible. And the longer you deal with grief, the ball is still in there. It just gets smaller or the box gets bigger you know, one or the other. So it still bonks into the side of the box. Sometimes we're like, Oh, it just like sneaks up on you, but it doesn't happen as often. And I think that that's just like a really interesting way to think about it for people who can't find a way to manage their grief and are just kind of sort of drowning in like, is it ever going to go away type of thing? And that it's okay to have those days where, you know, the ball bounces into the side of your box and you got to spend the day on the couch. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm not dealing today. That's what's happening. It's a good analogy. I prefer, I prefer to say it's your heart. Your heart just gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Because you can take in more love. So you might lose a love. You can get another love. It doesn't mean you love the first one any less. True. It's very true. Um, so I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit more about your, your coaching that you do and, and who you're, who you work best with and, and if you've got any good transformation type stories and success stories type of things. I love hearing that kind of stuff. I'll take you through my model, which shows what I do and how I work with people. So basically what happens, you go through life and you, you, life is pretty good but something happens, you get disrupted. So you get raped. You, 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 somebody close to you passes on. You have a terrible accident. You lose your job. Any of those things. It doesn't have to be a physical trauma. It could be anything. And you get disrupted. And what happens is you become a victim. And when you're a victim, you've got anger, hate, fear, shame, guilt, all those negative emotions. And it's natural. And a lot of people say, oh, just get over it. Don't worry about it. Move on. But it's important that you don't just move on, that you actually work with those with those emotions and feel those emotions and accept those emotions. It's so important that you come to terms with it. 
Um, so if you're filled with anger, for example, don't beat a cushion. Don't, you know, just don't go beat the person. <laughs> okay. If you um if you you really feel those emotions with all your senses, what does it sound like? It sounds like nails scraping on a board. What does it smell like? It smells like rotten eggs. You know, experience all of those emotions in all of the intensity, and then replace those emotions with um, positive emotions. So how do you want to feel? So for example, I'll never, I hated the rapist. I'll never love the rapist, but I will accept him or I will tolerate him. Okay. So it's, it's, um, it, it's finding something else. So how does that feel? It feels comfortable. It feels calm. It feels I'm not so stressed. I'm not so triggered. You know what? You, you attack me from behind. So when people walk behind me, I would always jump. Now that I've, I've forgiven, I don't get triggered anymore. So it, it's really important to understand what these emotions are doing to you and how it's impacting on you. Mm -hmm. And then once you've um, you've dealt with those, then you build your resilience. And resilience is your courage to go forward um, with the creativity. It's about having dialogue and discussion. It's about trying to make sense of what happened. Uh, and, and you'll never get back to where you were fully, as you said, your grieving process. You'll never, ever stop loving or feeling that, that little bit of pain. But you, you learn to accept it and you learn to live with it. And that is what resilience does. It helps you cope with the situation and you can return to some kind of a, a meaningful life. So once you've, you've developed your resilience, you then become a survivor. And for me, the word survivor is still a struggle. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I survived, I survived. But to me, it's still a struggle. You, you're still trying to make sense of everything. You're still trying to get on with your life. So you have to take the next step, which is the step of grit. And grit is future focused. So it's forging forward into a new reality. What do you want instead of what you've got? How do you want to feel? What do you want to do? How do you want to take this experience? What do you want to do with it? Um, and so it's, it's finding a new passion, a new direction, and then going forward with that passion, with persistence and perseverance and aiming towards a new reality. And then you start to thrive. And that's a great place to be. You start, you become empowered. You, you've, you've got a little bit of success in your life. And so life is looking pretty good. And it's at this point where you can consider to forgive. You can't forgive prior to this. Um, while you're in that victim mode, you're so, so full of all those negative emotions, you can't even consider it. But while you and while you're in struggling mode, in survivor mode, you're still struggling. So it's you may think about it now, but it's not a reality for you. But in thriver mode, you've come to terms with everything, and you can start um, you can start thinking and start planning for forgiveness. And then also when you're in this mode, you you develop a post-traumatic growth or a positive growth mindset 
and you say, well, what have I learned from this? How have I grown? How have I de developed? How has this served me? And some of us develop a, a benefit mindset as we say, well, what can I do with my experience and how can I give back to the community, to the world at large? So not everybody develops the benefit mindset. And then the final stages are forgiving yourself and forgiving others, and that is when you fly free. It's important that you forgive yourself. Um, for example, why was I working late that night? I needed to forgive myself for that. I fought the, the attacker with everything I had, but I didn't know how to fight, so I had to forgive myself for that. Afterwards, I drank too much and ate too much, so I had to forgive myself for that. <laughs> and so you need to forgive yourself. You know, if you were wearing that short skirt or got drunk uh, when you were attacked or you were driving too fast, which caused the accident, uh, you've got to forgive yourself. It happened. You've got to divorce the incident from, from the emotion and forgive yourself and then forgive the perpetrator or the other person. I think that's so valuable for so many people to hear, um, especially so many women, um, because I think a lot of our society is based around shame and blame against women and the way that our society is kind of set up. It's like the woman's fault if she's raped because her skirt was too short or she was drunk and it doesn't it takes all the onus off of the rapist and puts it onto women, which, um, and I think it's partly why so many women apologize for shit all the time that they don't need to apologize for. Uh, that's typically, you know, start sentences with, Oh, sorry, but, and then say what they're going to say. And that it, it's, it's built in like that, um, for a lot of women. And it's, it's interesting for me because I am not really like that. I'm not a very apologetic person. And sometimes it can get me into trouble where I have a hard time apologizing when I am wrong because I purposefully don't do it often because I know that so many women do it for no reason. Um, and it just takes so much of their own power away from them to be apologetic before you even do anything. Um, so I think just having this framework out there is just so important for so many people to, to learn from it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. So and I, I do mostly I work on forgiveness. Um, I teach resilience uh, and I teach grit, uh, and then I teach people or well, I help people uh, learn to forgive. I think that's so great. <laughs> I think we need more. We need more Loises out in the world because I think there's so many people who need to learn how to forgive themselves and forgive other people for things that have happened. Um, so I've got a little tip for everybody that they need to start learning to forgive now, even if you don't think you've got anything to forgive. If, if you practice it, it's like gratitude. You know, you keep your, your little gratitude journal and three things every day that you're grateful for. It's very powerful. So I say have a forgiveness journal as well. So every day, three things to forgive yourself for. I forgive myself for hitting the snooze button. I forgive myself for burning the toast. I forgive myself for shouting at the dog. Okay? Little things. Practice it every day. 
um, because when it comes to the bigger things, then it's so much easier because it's it's natural to, to forgive. And then forgive the other person and practice again. Forgive the dog for eating your slippers. You know, forgive forgive the husband who didn't bring the milk home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, forgive those that's the man who, who cut you off in the traffic um, and you nearly had an accident. Forgive him. You know, he was in a hurry. You know, he had, he had an emergency. Um, so just learn to forgive those little things. Um, and then when the big things are there, it's actually quite easy. I love that. I love that. Um, so before we run out of time, I want to make sure we have time for the five questions. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go into them? No, I think we've covered it all. Okay, awesome. So it's five question time, five question time. Okay, so for those of you who haven't listened to all all the other episodes or any other episodes of this podcast, at the end of every episode, I ask all the guests the same five questions because I think it is really interesting to hear how different people respond to the same questions in completely different ways. So the first one. I wish I prepared now. No, I I, I want people not to prepare. It's, It's much better when you're not rehearsed. Um, and I, I find that if we kind of have had a conversation already and I've, I've been interviewing a lot of people recently who I don't actually know in person, I started my show interviewing all of my friends because I was like, I know these great people. And it has led me to being introduced to all these amazing people who I don't actually know in person. And sometimes it takes a little bit to sort of warm up to, for people to kind of feel comfortable where they can just share some stories. And when I first started doing these five questions, some people are like, Ooh, I don't know what to do about questions. I haven't heard. I'm not prepared for this. Um, but almost every single time we record an episode, the guest says, well, I've never talked about this before in a public place, but I'm going to. And I think it's just really awesome that we've created this space that yes, it's public, but it's also safe at the same time. And that makes me feel really good. So question number one, tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Like one of those, everything is different. Um, one of those. <laughs> I think I've done that, but I think also just moving to the Middle East, um, it, it just changed my whole perspective on on people. You know, everyone's got such narrow views of what other cultures are like, and it really just opened my eyes as, as to how beautiful all the different cultures are, and they all have strengths, they all have weaknesses. And it's made me more compassionate to to everybody. I think that's great. Where did you live in the Middle East? I'm curious. In a country called Oman, which most people have never heard of. <laughs> um, and it's uh, 11 of my most happiest years. That's awesome. Living in the U.S., I mean, I know that many other places in the world it is way more normal for people to speak more than one language and to experience other cultures. But growing up and living in the U S it's you, every single day you come across people who have never, and probably will never leave the United States and have no idea what life is like for anybody else in any other area. And I, you just come across so many people who are just completely and totally ignorant about what the rest of the world is like outside of the United States. So um, I'm really glad that you put that out there because I think everyone should travel to at least once in your life. You should travel to another country and experience what life is like. Um, 
I mean, even the first time I, I went to Europe in 2004 for the first time. And even just seeing that there were countries that weren't built around that 24 seven culture that in the middle of Germany, if you didn't buy groceries at the market before 5 p.m., you're not buying anything until tomorrow morning. Like there is no 24 hour store. You are not going somewhere. You are not going to get it because it doesn't exist. And it, like even something little like that was like a huge like what? But the world doesn't, you know, you can't just go to the grocery store in the middle of the night. What? You know, um, and it's just interesting, even little stuff like that, like how different it is in a different area. So. Uh, okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? I'm awesome. Yes. That's what I tell myself too. Oh man. It's funny. Cause you know, sometimes uh, I don't know if you're in a, a lot of different Facebook groups, um, but I'm pretty sure that you are. Um, but there's always somebody posting a prompt that says like, what's one word that sums up you for the rest, you know, like, and, and what you do. And other people are like, I'm inspiring. I'm this. And every single time I'm like, I'm awesome. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. (laughs) I've made so many mistakes in my life. So many failures in my life. Um, and, I, and I, I've actually got a quote, um, if I can get it right, that I, that I wrote. Um, I wrote it after I'd fallen off a dog sled in Sweden. <laughs> um, and it says, pick yourself up, dust yourself down, laugh, forgive yourself, and move on with renewed determination and vigor. You should make stickers. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Um, Okay. Number four, what is one trait or habit that is most responsible for keeping you on track? Resilience and grit. (laughs) That is my favorite question because people answer it in such different ways. Some people hear the part of it that says what's one trait and some people hear the part that's what's one habit. And so some people are saying like, Oh, it's resilience. Oh, it's patience. Oh, it's this. And somebody else will be like, I drink coffee every morning. (laughs) 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 You know, I do yoga or, you know, I hang out with a friend for 20 minutes every week or so like, it's just interesting to hear like which part of the questions people hear in different ways. And I love that question because it's always a totally wild card answer what someone's going to come up with. All right. Number five, the last one, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten and what advice would you give to other people? The best piece of advice I ever got was from my sister. Um, I was, after a lot, it's a long story, you won't have time, but I was bedridden. I I, um, <laughs> I had had two failed back operations and I was in a very bad place. And my sister said to me that it was all in my head, that I wasn't facing my problems, that I was putting my problems behind me until my back couldn't cope anymore. So my back collapsed, making me come to realize that I needed help. And so uh, 
<laughs> I had eight chiropractic treatments and the surgeon had said I'd never hike or scuba dive again, which were two of my passions. And eight chiropractic treatments after six months in bed, I did a five-day hiking trail with a 29-kilogram backpack on my back. So um, the lesson is listen to your body. Your body, uh, the body and mind is so connected and take it literally. So if you keep hurting your foot, think about where you don't want to go. What step don't you want to take in your life? If you keep getting a sore throat for no reason, what is it that you're not trying to say? What is it that you're not saying? If you keep getting a pain in your chest, what is it you have to get off your chest? So literally listen to your body and think about what it's telling you. That's fucked up. Because <laughs> my is that too woo for you? No, I love it. I love it. It's just it's just crazy because like what you're saying, like if you keep getting a sore throat, like what are you not what are you not saying? And I it's it's always my first stress response. If I'm stressed, um, I start feeling like I'm getting a sore throat, but it doesn't like turn into a cold or anything. Um, and it's between that and like, then I'll get a headache and like, I'll get one and then I'll get a headache and I'll get one and like it's a headache. And it's just, (laughs) it's funny. There's a, I'm always struggling with having this kind of internal life inside of my head. And I think it's partly having ADHD and, um, I'm, I just learned recently that I just got diagnosed recently of having this and I've obviously had it like my entire life and I'm very high functioning with it, which is good. Um, but it's really helping me understand the ways that I act in the world and why I make certain choices and why certain things are really difficult for me and how I can kind of work with them. But I just learned that emotional hyperactivity is a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I feel seen. That's me. And so I I have a lot of these just kind of other lives that I live in my head that may or may not ever really happen, but like they're real for me in my head. And I'm like thinking about them. And, you know, if you're living a regular everyday life with regular everyday people, like you can't just be like, oh, in my imaginary world, all this stuff is happening. So there's a lot of things that I kind of think and wonder and imagine about that, like, you know, aren't really happening, but I can't really like talk about them all the time. And it's funny that you're like, oh, if you're getting a sore throat, it's these things you're not talking about. And hmm. <laughs> that's me, that's me. <laughs> So I love this show. I love it. Every single time I interview somebody, it ties into a conversation I had with the person before. And then it like carries forward. It's like, I take your energy and I'm going to bring it to the next interview. And it's going to kind of affect the way that I communicate with that person. And I just love the idea of affecting positive change as my life. That's, that's, that's my why in the world. My vision for the world is just affecting positive change in numerous ways. And I'm I'm so happy to be doing this show because it, I don't know. Do you ever see that movie, the big Lebowski? Yeah. And he talks about the rug and how it ties the room together. Like this podcast for me, like ties my room together. Kind of, it's sort of my, (laughs) the link that holds together because I'm a poet and a musician and a business owner and artist and a mother and like entrepreneur. And I have all of these 
hats sort of thing, different aspects of my life. And the podcast really is like this umbrella that kind of holds all of those parts together and it gives it a, a place to, to live and hang out and share out with the world. So, um, so before I talk everybody's ear off and get distracted again, yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Lois. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Okay. Walking without skin. It's the name of my web page. It's the name of my Facebook page. It's the name of my book. You'll find me. Awesome. Well, we will link that in the show notes um, and we'll, we'll give you all the links of different places where you can find her. And if you love this show, please go on iTunes and leave us a review, follow us on YouTube and subscribe, give a little thumbs up on the videos and mostly just tell somebody about it. If you heard this show and you're like, this is cool. Uh, just tell, tell a friend and have them check it out. You can listen to it on all major podcast platforms and watch the videos on YouTube or right on my website at papercraftmiracles.com slash reach the stars podcast. And if you really want to be super awesome, you can back the show on Patreon. It helps to keep the photo lights on and the streaming services connected and all the things It covers the basic costs and covers Ryan, who's the amazing editor who edits the podcast every week. So thanks, Ryan. Yay. Um, so all of my, my backers on Patreon have made it possible for me to hire Ryan to edit the podcast. So um, if you want to continue the mission of this awesome show, I would love to have you on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash reach the stars. Thanks so much for joining us on the Reach the Stars podcast. We will be back next week with a new inspiring story with a new fabulous person. Bye, everybody. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.